Welcome to Israel Mosaic, Land People's Story. I'm your host, Koro Tarod, and I'm coming to you from the Jezreel Valley in the Lower Galilee, where my wife and I live. Today's episode is entitled, Out of Hiding. I am so glad that you can join me today. The music that you are listening to is entitled, Spanish Guitar. I'm opening today's episode with a quote from King Louis XIV of France. More than 300 years ago, King Louis XIV of France asked philosopher Blaise Pascal to prove the existence of miracles. Without hesitation, Pascal replied, The Jews, your majesty, the Jews. Reconnecting Latin Americans with their Jewish heritage. Many of us have favorite pastimes, things we like to do on our own downtime and hobbies that we have picked up over the course of our lives. Some of us may have started these pastimes in our childhood and continued to the present, and others at the latter stages of our lives. Pastimes can often define us. Baseball is known as America's national pastime. Other pastimes may include fishing and collecting stamps, making a quilt, hiking or reading a book. Different pastimes for different people. One of my favorite pastimes in recent years is the engaging of the many conversations with my Latin American friends and sharing about their possible Jewish heritages. My wife and I were first made aware of this knowledge by an elderly gentleman named Albert Beja, the man known as Al. My wife and I first met Al in his congregation at the Bayshore Jewish Center in Long Island, New York. Al was the temple gabbai. A gabbai is an assistant to the rabbi or a treasurer who is in charge of funds that are used for charity. We got to know Al and his dear wife Shirley, who recently passed away, at their home and the temple. Over the years, we spent time listening to his intriguing stories from his family roots in Turkey. He would tell us in campfire fashion mode how he had Sephardic Jewish heritage and the connection to the country of Spain. He went on to describe to us how he could read and use a Judeo-Spanish language known as Ladino. Ladino was a language primarily spoken among Sephardic Jews and used in religious text, secular literature, and songs. Al, who is in his 90s, is a gifted storyteller that drew you in the moment words started to come from his mouth drawing you in, and having you at the edge of your seat. Al spoke with us about the country of Spain and their inability to this day to apologize for the almost 400 years of Spanish Inquisition and the genocide known as the Sephardic Expulsion in 1492. I remember climbing up the stairways in his home and Al taking out what looked like an ancient Hebrew prayer book. He said to us in the room, that's what the Sephardic Jews do. We pray. I remember Al telling me one day, and I'm paraphrasing his words, we American Jews have to know about Jewish history. We don't know our own Jewish history. Al would go on to speak to us about how most Latin Americans have identities steeped in Christendom, yet many have Jewish ancestry. I found all these things riveting, fascinating, and revelatory. After Al had discussed this new information with us, my wife and I started to do a little research on our own 
It was a journey that we still continue this day. We found a website entitled Sephardim.co. This site covered the alphabet of Jewish surnames from A to Z, a listing of Sephardic names. Some of the names that were on the list were Lopez, Hernandez, Bolta, Ortiz, Torres, and Trinidad. After seeing all these names, we realized that we have friends, lots of friends, whose names appeared on that very list. I can still remember showing Jose Trinidad, the Bayshore School security guard at the local library in Brightwaters, Long Island, that his last name Trinidad was on the list for Jewish ancestry. His facial expression was one of complete amazement. He was stunned to know that his father's last name was connected and recorded by the Roman Catholic Church in correlation to the Spanish expulsion of the 15th century from Spain. Over the years, I've had wonderful conversations with many Latin American people, and the findings of their historical past have been just as riveting. I can recall people telling me they had Jewish family names, Jewish traditions, and others having an unexplainable love inside of them for the nation of Israel. In today's world, we have the opportunity to discover our roots like never before. Due to the wonder of DNA test kit organizations alike, some being Ancestry.com, 23andMe, and Family Tree DNA. We also have a Rolodex of last names that is a part of a field of study known as onomastics that have allowed people to discover their Jewish identities that were once unknown, hidden and lost, only now to be rediscovered, found, and embraced. The Sephardic Expulsion Explained Very few events in history can match the impact of devastation more than Spain's treatment towards the Jewish people in 1492. Yet the massacre in 1391 set the stage for this terrible genocide. The 1391 attack on killing of the Jewish community in Spain is listed and estimated to be as high as 50,000 nameless lives. It began in the city of Seville on June 6, 1391, where thousands of Jewish people were killed, homes destroyed, and the survivors converted due to fear. This pattern of extreme violence spread throughout the country of Spain, and in the span of three months, 70 towns were faced with the threat of violence and death. Prior to the massacre in 1391, Spanish Jews living all throughout Spain had political and financial protection. The Spanish authorities tolerated the Jewish population because they received income tax from them, which contributed to expanding Spain's kingdom and church rule. Yet even these privileges of protection from the state were fleeting as Jewish people once again were scapegoated and victimized for their false accusation and part in crucifying Jesus. Three Choices On March 31, 1492, the organized church issued a decree ordering the expulsion of practicing Jewish lies from Castile to leave their homes by July 31, 1492. Spain wanted to make sure that the entire country was listening and adhering and following the rules and beliefs of the organized church. The first choice that Jewish people had was that they could convert to the organized church. 
they would leave their Jewish ancestry and take on the culture of Spain. The second choice that they had was that they could leave Spain entirely and still be Jewish. Thirdly, they could remain Jewish in Spain, but be subjected to persecution, violence, and being burned at the stake. The Edict of 1492 and the life-changing decisions that thousands upon thousands of Jewish lives had to make was insurmountable and forever changed the political and social landscape of the then-known world. What followed would be an exile and a diaspora within a diaspora. Endless Latin American lives would live for centuries in secrecy, finding new ways of living and entering new spaces in the old and new world. Introducing New Terms One of the words that came to define a group of people is the term crypto-Jews. In Spain in the 14th and 15th centuries, the Jewish community that converted to the organized church became known in Spain as Cristianos Nuevos, New Christians, but were often referred to as the Conversos. Spain and Portugal passed legislation restricting the rights in the mother country and colonies. Only Christians were allowed to go to the New World. Despite the dangers of the Inquisition, many crypto-Jews practiced Jewish rituals in secrecy. One example of this is the festival of Santa Esoterica. This was the holiday that served as a substitute for Purim. It is still celebrated today throughout Latin America and the southwestern part of the United States. Another term that grew out of this period is the word Marano. There are different and conflicting views on where this word originated from. One possibility is the Hebrew term Marat Ein, meaning the appearance of the eye, meaning that Maranos were outwardly Christians but actually Jewish. Another possibility is the phrase Mohoram Ata, you are excommunicated. Lastly, the phrase Anathema Maranatha has an ecclesiastical feel. Some believe that the word is pejorative and comes from swine, but later became romanticized and a badge of honor by Jewish people came later. The next known term is the word conversos. It has the word convert in its roots and it refers to the Jewish people that converted to Roman Catholicism in Spain and in Portugal. Conversos kept the Jewish holidays, like the Sabbath and a kosher. The last term that came out of this chaotic era was the term anusim. The word is translated as the coerced ones or forced ones, as they were mandated by law to leave their religion for another. Entering the New World It's hard to calculate the number of lives that were destroyed from the Sephardic expulsion in 1492. Countless lives were scattered, dispersed, killed, and others had hidden identities steeped in tense secrecy for the protection and furtherance of their lives. Conversos were allowed to leave their homeland due to their conversion to the organized church, yet many were seeking freedom to become exclusively Jewish again in its entirety and with no restrictions imposed by the organized church laws. In his book entitled Jewish Pirates of the Caribbean, Edward Kritzler 
outlines many Jewish converso sailors and pirates from Portugal and Spain that escaped their homelands, striving to start new lives. In my native country of Jamaica, the city of Spanish Town was discovered by escapee Jews from the Old World. Chrysler reports that the Jewish pirates named their vessels for ancient prophets, heroines, and heroes. Their names were Prophet Samuel, Queen Esther, and Shield of Abraham. Scholars are just starting to reveal how many different stories of crypto-Jews escaping the old world of Europe, religious persecution, and trying to enter the new world of the Caribbean and the Americas, even risking the death of their lives. And when it comes to names of navigators and explorers, there may not be another name as widely known to history as that of Christopher Columbus. Who really was Christopher Columbus? For most of us listening, we were introduced to Christopher Columbus in primary school and learned about his famous arrival in the Americas and the Caribbean. We were taught the famous school couplet that said, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Today, many of us enjoy the celebration of Columbus Day, always on the second Monday in the month of October. Yet, with all this knowledge and awareness of him, do we really know what his heritage was and who he was as a person? It is very possible that Columbus had a hidden Jewish identity. And to find out about all these possibilities, we have to understand the world for Sephardic Jews in the 14th and 15th centuries. Life for Sephardic Jewry was extremely difficult and life-threatening in the old world during the 14th and 15th centuries. Sephardic Jewry specifically refers to Jewish people that trace their roots back to Spain and Portugal. They were in the midst of a 300-year period known as the Spanish Inquisition. This time in Spain was filled with torturing, persecution, and being burned at the stake for practicing Judaism. The entire European social landscape consisted of unbelievable secrecy, dual identities, and filled with a desire to not be discovered as being Jewish. This was the world that Christopher Columbus was born, raised, and ultimately may have tried to escape from. In recent years, there have been fascinating articles from extensive research from scholars, linguists, and a rabbi who have shed tremendous light on the man known as Christopher Columbus. They explain and reveal his murky past that for the most part was hidden and is now coming into the light. This reminds me of a very well-known passage in Luke 8, 17. Nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret but that it would come to the light. Professor Warren Brather, educator of romantic linguistics from Hofstra University, wrote a very informative article called Opinion, The Mysteries of Christopher Columbus. I will let you decide on what you think after you hear what he found. He said there is no disputing that Christopher Columbus found 197 places of new discovery. Tradition has it that he was born in Genoa, Italy. Yet there are no islands named after any Italian landmass or body of water that he found. The names he chooses are from Spanish islands 
and the Gibraltar coast of Algeria and Morocco. All of his diaries do not show his Italian language in any of his 13 letters, and scholars now believe he was using code switching, Catalan, and the Judeo-Spanish language. Scholars found that Columbus's family origin was in Spain, and his last name was Cologne, a name that was typical of forced converts and new Christians who were crypto-Jews. In 12 of his 13 letters from the Caribbean to Spain, he has a bet high in the upper left corner of the letters, meaning Baruch Hashem, blessed be his name. The only letter he left his mark out was when he addressed it to Queen Isabella. Why would he leave it out in a letter addressed to her and not to anyone else? Scholars now believe Columbus hid his Jewish origins and went to writing cryptically. It wasn't until a rabbi, a researcher, and a linguist worked separately to reveal his coded language that paid homage to his Jewish faith and asked God's forgiveness for leaving it. In another article entitled Christopher Columbus, The Hidden Jew, Amanda Borschel Don records that Columbus's voyages were not sponsored by Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand, but were sponsored by a Jewish rabbi, statesman, and other conversos. These Jewish scientists and financiers further the proof of Columbus's Jewish heritage and provided the financial basis for his many expeditions. The late Simon Wiesenthal and Nazi hunter wrote a book entitled Sales of Hope, The Secret Mission of Christopher Columbus. He writes that Columbus had a Jewish heritage and was motivated by a desire to find a safe haven for Jewish people in the light of their expulsion from Spain. Early 19th century Spanish scholars claim that Columbus was born in northern Spain on a large Galatian port in Ponte Verde, and his name was Cristobal Colon. Charles Garcia, in his article called Was Columbus Secretly a Jew? says that Columbus's grand passion was the quest to liberate Jerusalem from Muslim rule and to navigate and explore and travel to Asia searching for gold to finance a crusade to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Those dreams never materialized. Yet, in his dying wishes, he leaves a tenth of his income to the poor, which was a Jewish custom, and gives money so that his successors will go on a crusade to liberate the Holy Land. Lastly, in an article by Howard Shachar called Was Columbus Jewish? He explores the origins of the world-famous navigator. He discovers in his research that Columbus's last name was given the common Jewish surname of Cologne, and his father was a weaver, one of the few trades open to Jewish people in Genoa, Italy. His mother was called Susanna Fonterosa, daughter of Jacob Fonterosa, and granddaughter of Abraham Fonterosa, all Jewish surnames. In Columbus's boat, he logs and references the Hebrew Bible and writes of Jerusalem, Moses, David, Isaac, and Sarah, and computes the age of the world according to the Hebrew calendar and from the time period of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. In an archive of his letter, written in the West Indies, Christopher Columbus writes powerfully and says, I am not the first admiral of my family 
Let them give me whatever name they plea. For when all is done, David, that most prudent king, was first a shepherd, and afterward chosen king of Jerusalem. And I am a servant of the same Lord, who raised him to such dignity. Introducing Del Sanchez Maybe no one in North America has done more for the educational awareness of crypto-Jews and Sephardic Jewry for Latin Americans than Dr. Del Sanchez. Dr. Sanchez is a former social worker, educator, and CEO of a broadcasting company. He has extensively researched the Sephardic roots of northern Mexico and the southwestern United States. He is a programmer for God's Learning Channel and currently runs an organization called the Aliyah Sephardic Center. His latest book called Out From Hiding, Evidence of Sephardic Roots Among Latinos. He shares that Jewish roots are now discovered through onomastics, the study of the history of proper names, DNA, and oral histories. Dr. Sanchez shares that for so many Latino families worldwide for centuries, they had to keep the quote-unquote secret. And what was that secret? The secret, as Del Sanchez later found out, was his own and millions of Latinos having a hidden Jewish past, an identity that if discovered could cost them their very lives. Dr. Sanchez said, and I am paraphrasing his words, the Latino people hid the secret so well they forgot what the secret was. Dr. Sanchez has been to Israel over 30 times and speaks to Latin American audiences and is a leading advocate for finding information on awareness of Sephardic Jewish heritages. His own worldwide quest to find his identity began when he discovered his own Jewish roots. Del Sanchez shares that he believes that there are over 60 million Latin American Jews who have yet to discover their true identity. Other researchers believe there are between 100 and 200 million Latino people globally who are Jewish and one in every 20 Hispanic males have undiscovered Jewish ancestry. The Hispanic greater community is rediscovering their roots and returning to Israel. We are living in extraordinary days. Ancient biblical prophecies are being fulfilled from the writings of the Hebrew prophets from ancient times. Their writings speak of the time of the exiles and the outcast of Israel returning to the land again. Del Sanchez believes that these scriptures are referring to the Hispanic people, known as the Sephardic B'nai Anasim. Literally in Hebrew, Anasim means the sons who were coerced. Millions upon millions of Hispanic Jews were forced to convert or die, but now have reclaimed their hidden identities and desire to make their home in Israel, and some have begun to fulfill their dream of living in the very place that the prophet Obadiah prophesied thousands of years ago. Isaiah writes in Isaiah 11.11, In that day, the Lord will reach out His hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of His people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. Obadiah writes in Obadiah 1, 20 through 21, this company of Israelite exiles who are in Canaan will possess the land as far as Zarephath. The exiles from Jerusalem who are in Spain will possess the towns of the Negev. Deliverers will go up 
on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. Join me next time on Israel Mosaic, Land, People, Story, when we take a closer look at the Yemenite people living here in Israel. See you soon.